0: Hello and welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Horticulture Week editor Matthew Appleby and today I'm with ICL's Sam Rivers. Hi Sam.
1: Hi Matthew. How are you doing?
0: Good thanks and I'm with ICL's Andrew Wilson. Hi Andrew. Hi Matthew. And today we're going to talk about integrated pest management and the pressures on the industry to adopt a new approach to tackling pests such as vine weevil in a time when insecticides are more and more Becoming withdrawn. I'll just introduce Sam. Now, Sam joined ICL in 2019 to advise customers in Essex and the home counties and in areas of London. He's got a national diploma in horticulture, a BSc in horticulture, and an MSc in entomology from Harper Adams. He grew glasshouse crops at Rittle and worked at Cambridge University producing beneficial insects for a leading UK biocontrol company. And With ICL's IPM plant portfolio expanding, Sam's specialist knowledge is going to be put to good use. Whereas Andrew is a very well-known face in the industry. He's the technical manager for ICL UK and Ireland. Nationwide role, highly experienced. He's been with ICL, which was then owned by Scott since 2007. And he provides technical support to the technical area sales managers nationwide. And he's involved in the development of ICL's new fertilizer product. So welcome to you both. We're going to start off with talking about pressures on the industry and the current situation. So what are the pressures on the industry, Sam, um, with pest management in ornamental crops at the moment? Um, What is the current situation and can you give any examples of environmental or legislative pressure there are?
1: Yeah, so I think the horticultural industry in general is under tremendous pressure from all aspects. And, you know, this is one very important area that we need to focus on. The way the industry and, you know, the new legislation coming in from Brexit is going is there's going to be less use of chemicals in the future. And we're going to be forcing a different approach, uh, you know, almost to the growers uh, towards a more biologically friendly uh, future. There's a lot of challenges, particularly when growers have been used to using one chemical uh, that does everything for them. Uh, That's now changing. Uh, There's a sustainable use directive law now, uh, which is basically changing the way we operate on the nursery. So it's a new regulation and it's law throughout the UK and Europe. And it basically adheres to a protocol where we're following a certain set of procedures to control pests and diseases on the nursery. So the, the main hierarchy of control, as they call it, We start off with cultural control. So that's looking at hygiene practices, uh, regular monitoring for pests and diseases. So it's like a first phase of defense, if you will, against these pressures. And then we move on to a biological approach as the next step. So that's macro microbiologicals and products such as biostimulants. And then we go into physical controls. So that's acting physically on the pest or disease. And then the last resort is the chemical approach. So these are the things that are being banned uh, in the industry. There's a few examples recently. So for horticulture exemptor, which is fiocloprid and nicotinoid, that's now been withdrawn from use. Uh, So that, that chemical is now gone and that was used for vine weevil and it had a secondary control of things such as leaf beetles and aphids. So now growers are left with a kind of empty chemical cover to control these pests. And they're now looking towards the alternatives uh, and there there really isn't any chemical alternatives anymore for these pests. That's the the new legislation coming in. They're, they're not approving uh, new chemicals to control these pests. There, there are chemicals that can control them, but there's uh, effects on the environment that we need to be concerned about. And, you know, working for ICL, this is a direction we want to be pushing is a sustainable, you know, looking at these control options and the cultural uh, biological options and not resorting to the physical or chemical uses unless absolutely necessary. So yeah, there is a bit of a knowledge gap as most growers have been used to using one chemical like Exemptor, as I mentioned. You don't really have to worry about it. Uh, it's you know been incorporated in the growing media and it's quite an easy product to use uh, and growers can you know almost switch off and not worry about things. But now they're really having to to plan their time on how to apply these new products such as uh, nematodes. Uh, biostimulants and how to make them work properly and control the pests uh, in, in the crops.
0: Thanks, Sam. So, uh, Andrew, is, is there anything left in the, in the cupboard? I mean, Sam says there's not much. And um, if there is anything left, you know, what do you think will, will go next chemical-wise? Yes, Matthew, there are certainly gaps
2: in, in, in the chemical portfolio now. An integrated pest management approach will, will be the way forward. Um, you can see the way the legislation is going. And, you know, it's, it's the future of agricultural and environmental policy that will drive us down this route. So we need to look at the, the key chemical products that we have and, and use them as part of an overall regime, as, as Sam was saying. They, they will be key, but there's a bigger part to this. We need to look at the, the whole pest, the life cycle that we have, and really try and prevent some of these problems, be much better at detecting them and, and really use the, the control and and the the chemistry where where we have to as a, as a sort of last resort, because we we won't be able to use these products probably more than once or twice in a season, and we'll have to save them for the you know for the time when it when it gives the best control. So I think it, it's a new way of learning, and I think we'll we'll learn to grow better. Um, we'll be better at preventing diseases and pests. And, and at the end of the day, we'll look back on pesticides as something we did before. But but we you know we've got new tools in the future. But it won't be easy.
0: So, Sam, uh, this sort of approach has, has its challenges. What are the difficulties of, of using IPM? What, what are the challenges for growers which, when they previously had quite a, a simple sort of application method?
1: Yeah, so I, I go back to Exemptor being it was pre-incorporated into growing medium mixes and growers basically didn't have to worry about the pests they control. Now, you know, for vine weevil, for example, there there are two options really available, and that's uh, Pitcher, which is uh, ICL's garlic based product, which kills the egg stages and uh, early instar stages of vine weevil. Um, And we also have a nematode, uh, a Seeker nematode range. And the challenges with these, it's all about application timing and knowing which life cycle stage these products target. So, Pitcher is targeting the egg stages. But as, as Andrew was saying, a lot of these products have limited use. So pitcher can only applied uh, once or twice a year, depending on what rate you use. So a full rate, you can only apply once per year and a, a half rate. You can apply twice per year. And cause it's targeting the egg stages. We need to make sure we're applying it at the time when vine eggs are going to be actively laid by the adults and it's challenging because vine weevil as you as you're probably aware they're quite a persistent and problematic crop and they can be present throughout the whole season so our advice is to to look at the most active period with these products so vine weevil's most active egg laying period outside for instance is between april to june so that's your application window but of course you know a lot of these things are dependent on temperature uh, the weather outside my window is, uh, it's very snowy. Um, so the, the UK climate can be up and down as, as you all know. Um, so you have to monitor that quite closely as well. And it's the same with nematodes. The two products we have work down to certain temperatures. So we have Seeker, which works down to 12 degrees C in the growing media. We have a product called Seeker CT or cold tolerance, which works down to five degrees C in the, in the growing media. Now, seeker ct you'd be looking to apply anytime from probably march till april or may even uh, and it really depends on how cold or warm the weather is and you know understanding that is going to give growers a much better level of control uh you know you always have to think two weeks ahead with these products uh you know next week might be really warm and you might think to apply seeker ct um, because the temperatures are rising but then it might drop uh, in, a, in a week. The temperature might go down to minus five and you've kind of wasted your time a little bit. The main challenge I see is forward planning. And also, you know, there is a bit of a technical gap. You know, like we say, growers have just been used to using this one product that's almost been applied for them. And now they're having to really think about how they're going to get these products on their crops. What's the application when they're going to apply? The staff, they're going to have to use to apply it. Most growers have used these products in the past, and some some have been using them non-stop because they they're against they've been against the chemical use, um, so they understand the product. We're kind of there as technical advisors to just help them understand the application procedure.
0: Great, thanks, thanks, Sam. So, Andrew, as a, as a former grower, what what do you see as the barriers from the nurserymen from the growers um, to to switch into IPM? You know, what what what's the sort of uh, barriers they they put up from a grower's point of view? As as Sam was saying, they're used to using one product.
2: Now they have have to really look at the pest and, and plan their production, and you know think of temperatures and things like that. I think tech and technology is going to come into this more. Um, there's more environmental data that you can use in terms of temperature in the growing media, in terms of humidity, irrigation control, and things like this. And these will have big effects on 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 the sort of pest and disease pressure that you have. And if you can grow the crops a little bit drier with more efficient irrigation, you're likely to get less fungal disease and things like that. Um, so, so it's really looking at the whole crop and, and sort of, you know, looking at where the, the problems might occur and almost having a blueprint for thinking, you know, we need to improve ventilation. We need to be monitoring the humidity because these are the triggers for lots
0: of the, uh, the fungal diseases that we get. For some with vine weevil, How bad has it been, say, for instance, last season? And, you know, can you predict how bad it might be in 2021?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Vine weevil is a very persistent and problematic pest if it's left to go unchecked. And growers have been using, you know, Exemptor for for quite a period of time now, and that's kept population thresholds uh, to a a manageable level. If if, like, you know, that's non-existent on some nurseries. And that will probably be the case if they didn't do anything, that population threshold isn't gonna explode overnight. Um, You know, you might see a gradual increase. And the message we're saying to growers who are maybe a bit hesitant about using products such as nematodes is, you know, that population pressure will build and build and build, and it will become a problem eventually. You know, vine weevil have been controlled with Exemptor, but they haven't moved a long way away. They've probably moved into the next available space next to the nurseries and they will move back in uh, quite quickly. And the more they build up the population, you know, the the worse the problem gets. So with IPM, the idea is that you're using these products. So you are maintaining that population. I'm not gonna say nematodes or, you know, pitcher for instance is gonna be as effective as a chemical control, Um, but they will control the pest to a point where you're not gonna see any major issues on the nursery. And, you know, that's obviously an economical benefit to, to everyone. Um, so the, the sooner you get used to using these products, um, the better. I think growers who are hesitant, I would say just trial it, uh, see how you get on, because the more you get up to speed with this, uh, the easier your life is going to be. If you've been using Exemptor, you've probably got a little bit of a window as a saving grace, um, particularly as the last use update, the last delivery date we did was 29th of January. So Exemptor is gone. Um, some growers will have that for the, the remainder of this season, Um And that's a good time to actually trial these products, get used to applying them and and seeing how they work and, you know, call us in as well, because we're we're there to help. We can uh, walk you through the the process, configure out the application rates and give you some tips on how to get the most out of these products.
0: Great. Thanks, Sam. So, Andrew, could you give me a bit more detail on these friendly alternatives? What's what's the chemistry behind them and what's the development and what's what's the sort of future development?
2: In terms of the nematodes, I mean, they've been around for a, for a long time, but application has been the key to them, really. And obviously, um, drenching in, into a peat-based growing media is one thing. But, but, but as we move forward towards peat-free, these materials are more repellent to water and things like that. And and the key to the efficiency of a nematode is delivering them to the target pest. And you know we've had, had to work on wetting agents um, to, to really penetrate these new medias and we have a product called Transporter, which, you know, which does that um, and delivers it. You know, temperature is obviously key to it as well. And it's really going to be, you know, picking the right time to get the most effective control from these nematodes. And 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 they're very effective when they're active and, and they will
0: actively seek out the fine weevil larvae at the correct time. Thanks, Andrew. And Sam, what, what about this garlic based product? Does that really work?
1: Yeah. So when I first heard about garlic, that we were bringing out a garlic product, I was really skeptical, I'll be honest. Uh, And then I actually understood how the garlic product is formulated differently to garlic products of old. Um, I think a lot of growers have used garlic in the past and they've, you know, they've had mixed results. Um, Picture is slightly different because we've actually got a product that has isolated the beneficial parts of garlic. So garlic does have an effect on, on pests. It has an effect, but just natural garlic in itself you know there's a lot of white noise in the actual active compounds that have this effect so pitcher is a combination of all the the very beneficial compounds of garlic so it works incredibly well because of that so we use it to target the egg stage predominantly so it causes oxidative stress on the eggs and it's applied as a top dress and again like i say it's only as good as the application from the end user if you're going to be applying it now when it's snowy and the vine weevils aren't really laying their eggs um, it's not going to be any good it's really about targeting that window of opportunity obviously that each nursery is different each has their own microclimates. you might you know be monitoring your nursery noticing that adults are actually more actively laying their eggs towards the end of the summer and you could then incorporate pictures to apply it at that point in the nursery Um, but you know our advice is outside vine Mevo are laying their eggs most actively around april to june um, but they will be laying throughout the summer but you know it's we also have a, a limited use of this product so we're trying to maximize its efficacy
0: lastly the big question or a big question is the future direction Where's where's the industry headed you know new direction is all about only using chemical control Until it's necessary, but with you know legislation and um, you know increased environmental pressure, where where are we going, Andrew? What do you think is happening?
2: I think you've only got to look at the protected edible um, glasshouse crops, where where you see you know particularly with tomatoes and crops like that, they've virtually eliminated the use of traditional pesticides and they're relying on biological products and things like that. I think there's a long long way to go with this um, for the ornamental sector due to the, you know, diversity of crops and outside, you know, growing as well. But um, in, increasingly, there's going to be a move to crops that are easier to grow, that don't have as many problems. I, I think plant breeding, will head heading that way as well, and we'll be, be much more savvy in detection of diseases and prevention of them, rather than waiting for the actual control. And, and I think that'll be the key to it.
0: Uh, yeah, okay. And um, Sam, what do, you, what do you think? Where are things going? What you know? What can growers do now to help them prepare for the future?
1: The restrictions on chemical use are only going to get worse. Um, I say worse, like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because you know, the less chemicals we have, the less they end up in the in the environment, which can only be a good thing, in my opinion. Growers, my advice, you know, understand these products, how they're working. We do lots of technical days. We can do trials on your nurseries. Just get to grips with how to apply them. Uh, you know, we have biostimulant products coming out now. Uh, you know, for example, here we have a few products that can be used against powdery mildew, but our advice would be to start with this cultural method of monitoring, understanding the temperature, the conditions that, you know, you might see powdery mildew, you know, so it's it's a bit more humidity and that, that cultural control is, is all about just monitoring that, monitoring any bought in material. And then if you see those signs of activity, you can apply a biostimulant because that's going to support the plant to deal with that stress. And if it comes to a point where you need to treat with a chemical control, uh, we have a product called Amistar, which you can use for that. But again, that's got a limited use. So it's getting to grips with that kind of process of starting off with as little as you can do with chemicals, understand these new products, we will happily come on the nurseries and talk to growers about it and how they might use them. And yeah, don't get too complacent with chemicals because the way things are going you know five ten years we might not have any chemicals you know i think the example is with sugar beet that was a neonicotinoid that's looking to possibly be approved um, but you can see the the pressure on that uh, the response from that from environmental groups you know and, and everyone really they're, they're really against it and that's the pressure you're going to get going forward so yeah just just get to grips with these new products uh trial them understand them and you'll be in a good situation because they do work.
0: That's a great summing up there, Sam. So, Andrew, how, how would you um, wrap up your message from today? I would
2: take it from a crop point of view. I, I think the growers need, need to be close to their crops. I think they need, need to understand them. I think they need to be careful in the choice of varieties they grow and, you know, look at prevention as much as possible. I think in terms of um, protective structures and ventilation, and temperature control and irrigation. These are all key things that they should be looking at first. Um, A key point is also nutrition, you know, healthy plants that are well fed, get less diseases. And I think that's where Sam's point of the biostimulants comes in as well. You know, you can really help the plant protect itself. And then, you know, going forward, you know, it's, it's really about the detection of any disease or pest at an early stage so that you can deal with it before it becomes a real issue to the crop. And obviously, you know, as Sam said earlier, you know, things can build up around the nursery. So if things start to get out of control, you have less options, you know, to, to really control it. So I think, I think you need to be looking around the nursery, detecting things and, and then controlling them at an early stage with a biological option before they get out of control. And and I think, you know, that that'll be a good thing. And, and growers will learn a lot from it. I think the crops will be better. And there is light at the end of the tunnel
0: light at the end of the tour brilliant well thanks to icl and to sam rivers and to andrew wilson for a very informative session there and thank you very much for listening to the horticulture week podcast and you can listen to the horticulture week podcast archive at fortweek.com forward slash podcasts this is matthew appleby and thank you and goodbye